So this is a little intro about homeschooling. It's kind of a rabbit trail we got off on, and I quick clicked record because there was good content, and it continued. Homeschooling is a very dominant movement in North America today. Likely around the world, there are places which are trying to reach out and do the homeschooling thing. And it began largely among evangelical people and was part of an awakening which had occurred in North America hmm. and is very identifiable. And, and so uh, in this recording, we're just going to talk about how it happened and some of the big features of the movement. Nice. Thank you. Home education was very experimental. During the 60s and 70s? or well, It wasn't even going on in the 60s or 70s. If you met a homeschooling family in the 60s or 70s, we later met people mm -hmm. who had been homeschooling right along. Yeah. But they were so off the grid. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, they were... They were like, um, uh, you know, total survivalists who are just, you know, living in the uh, the Northeast Triangle of Minnesota. They were like, you, really? Yeah. Like Where do you find them? Uh, we met this one family. They were had a Wisconsin connection, and they lived up in Traverse City, and they were home educating long before. It was even common, mm -hmm. but actually, what happened is um, the the Christian. Are you recording this? I am actually right now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, w what happened is that um, when in 1962 the public school system. Uh, was told by the Supreme Court not to use prayer or the reading of the scripture in the public school system. Yeah. The, the general populace didn't take it too seriously. They thought, well, the, the Supreme Court, they, they are in an island someplace off in the Atlantic Ocean, and, and they can make decrees, but that doesn't affect what people do in Nebraska. So we've always read the Bible, and we've always had prayer. We pray at athletic events. We mm -hmm. pray in the locker room. Uh, that was not any prohibition on having a school assembly where you bring in an evangelistic group, and they would do uh, sing gospel songs. So, of course, we're going to just continue to function like we always did. Yeah. We're not going to force anyone to believe anything, but we'll read the Bible, certainly. Yeah. And we'll have prayer whenever we want to. Yeah. And, and so they didn't realize, no, the Supreme Court actually does have authority in the United States, and they are going to implement this. It was, so it took the, the Christians a little while before they res began to realize that a new brand of secularism had come into four. Hmm. And so by the 70s, and when you saw the revolution, the student revolution of the 60s, and then what was happening in the 70s, eventually around the year 1980, the Christians had begun to mobilize. Hmm. Before that time, the Catholic Psalms had parochial schools, and the Seventh-day Adventists had parochial schools. Some of the Mennonite groups had parochial schools. But a lot of the Baptists were not doing Christian schooling, but they 
began to mobilize. It really was concurrent with Jerry Falwell's moral majority idea. Let's get involved politically. Okay. And they began to organize these Christian schools and hmm. produce Christian curriculum. A lot of them borrowed, for instance, Mennonite curriculum. Yeah. There was Guiding Light and other Rod Mennonite and curriculum. I remember learning it with Rod and Staff. Rod and Staff, that yeah. was another, it was a Mennonite curriculum. And they were really good on reading and they would use the scriptures and all their reading exercises, good in math. And and so the, the uh, Christian school movement began to emerge, really to mushroom, right around the year 1980. Hmm. And, and people were talking about Christian schools, but a lot of these schools were unapproved Christian schools and there were court battles. For instance, in Southern North Dakota, I attended a trial where there was a group of Presbyterians, Presbyterian pastor. One of the guys was, he had a political job. He was like a prosecuting attorney in the area. And he was a, uh, a member of this Presbyterian church and sent his kids to an unapproved school, Christian school. And the judge said he didn't know what to do because these were the best people he knew. He said that out loud. Interesting. Yeah, but he, but they were in fact breaking the law. Yeah. And they were being prosecuted for having an unapproved school. One of the guys at the trial was from the Chicago area and he had been a uh, an internationally known author. He had written novels. And <laughs> I think he was an English professor who was, of course, writing on the side and and had written a popular book, and then he became an evangelical. And he was going to this Presbyterian church, yeah. And and so it was a, it was quite a spectacle to have these people who were really upstanding Christian guys, fathers in their homes, who were being taken to court for not for refusing to send their children to the public school, and and so at that time the Christian schools were under attack. Yeah. And there were these legal agencies that rose up, David Gibbs and other guys, who were defending the the right the Christians have to have schools, even mm -hmm. though they were, quote-unquote, unapproved. Interesting. And the question was accreditation, and you'd sometimes have church workers or parents who were involved in the education, but working through the auspices of a Christian school. Then... An interesting thing started to happen in the first half of the 1980s when guys like Bill Gothard and James Dobson mm -hmm. used their platforms to promote home education. And James Dobson began interviewing Raymond and Dorothy Moore, who were educational experts. I think they were child psychiatrists or psychologists, okay. and they were involved in early development of young people. And they had written a book called Better Late Than Early. And in this book, they had said that we're, we should defer sending our kids to school at an early age. They're better off if they spend a lot of time with adults rather than being thrown into a sea of other people in the same age group. Yeah. And that these kids who were being encouraged, which was a popular thing at the time, let's start them early with preschool before kindergarten and yeah. get them into the classroom situation that'll give them a head start yeah. and there was a government program called head start hmm. and raymond and dorothy moore 
who had been researchers who had a political in and were writing and submitting their research to uh, certain governmental people yeah. were saying, no, that's not a good thing. Huh. Early education for children in that kind of a situation actually harms their education. Keep them at home. Keep them at home for the first few grades. Educate them at home. This is, uh, actually, I think Raymond and Dorothy Moore were Seventh-day Adventists. Oh, okay. they, weren't e they weren't mainstream evangelicals, but they were just, you know, I think they were psycho child psychologists and a uh, married couple who were doing research. And James Dobson interviewed them. And <laughs> it was j just a very interesting thing where, where they're saying, hey, maybe parents do a good job of educating. Maybe we should uh, allow for more freedoms. Maybe this is actually good for kids to stay at home and let their parents do the education. Who cares more about the education than the parents? Yeah. That yeah. was the logic. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then Bill Gothard, who had quite a cult following in the latter part of the 1960s into the 70s, and then and this, it was a phenomena at the time. Now, I know that uh, more recently he's come, he's been discredited and a lot of people have attacked Bill Gothard. But I, I only want to say about Bill is that a lot of the things which he taught were not unique to him. Yeah. There were a lot of things which he taught about uh, uh, being submitted to proper God-ordained authority and memorizing the scripture and making restitution and there were a lot of things which he taught, which were not unique to him. Yeah, yeah. they were just Christian teachings that yeah. D. L. Moody and John Wesley and everybody else had always taught and encouraged. Yeah. And and but he he uh, had a way of packaging his message, which gained a giant following. And so he would fill out a hockey arena. And they would have an overflow crowd, almost as big as the first crowd. Wow. Yeah, it was quite remarkable uh, what was happening with these Bill Gothard seminars at the time. And, and then he came out with his own curriculum. And he began to encourage people not just to have Christian schools, but to have home education. And one of the things which he did was he, he inferred that Sunday schools were all built on the failed educational model of the public school system. Oh, so the whole like, the we don't first thing they do at church is divide up the family. Yeah, like that whole. yeah a lot of that. Now, I don't know if Bill was the only one saying it. There, oh, I know okay. there were other people who were saying the same thing. But he was one of those people mm. who would say, and it was funny when you go to one of Bill's messages, he might infer something. He might make an off comment, but his following was so strong. Like if he said, uh, a lot of people are lavishing all their attention on their cat and dog instead of their children. And isn't that sad? And so people would get rid of their cats and dogs. They would, they would, really? they would, they would so immediately follow almost everything kept coming out of the man's mouth. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it was... Um, yeah, we were kind of spared from that. I don't... I remember... Well, your mother and I, we attended Bill Gothard's seminars, as a okay. lot of people did. And I I feel very grateful for the in, the influence of let's memorize the scriptures. Yeah. I did. 
Yeah. I, I learned that and I gave myself to memorizing and, and I began to take steps to make restitution for things which I had done. Like mm -hmm. as a ch child, I had shoplifted. Mm -hmm. And so I went and I made restitution at all these stores in my little hometown where I had shoplifted as a, as a middle school student. Hmm. And uh, things, things of that nature. I, I thought it was a lot of things I was taught there were a great blessing. But some people, I think, without any kind of doctrinal backing for many people, Bill Gothard was the most authentic thing they had ever heard. Yeah. They were going to these churches, often dead Protestant churches, where, where they weren't getting anything. And so when they heard Bill, that, that was it. That was the end all. Yeah. And they just became slavishly obedient to everything he had to say. Wow. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the older Christians did not connect with Bill Gothard. People in my generation, they loved him. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, that was generally the case. Okay. I, I mean, that was the way it was. So, <laughs> but I, I'm just I'm just giving you my little take on it. Yeah, yeah. And and all and by the way, you know, we should look at it that way. Uh, maybe there's some guy who has been attacked and discredited. Maybe rightly discredited. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's just a bad man. But that doesn't mean that everything they ever said or did was wrong. No. Yeah. That maybe they said some things which were valid and. And we thank the Lord for what they did say, even though they themselves were inconsistent or maybe total phonies. You, you do have that too. Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah. back on the homeschool thing. Yes. That took off around the year 1985. The, the, the Christian school movement had already emerged but began to table off around 1985. It was a growing thing, but then it came to a certain point. Mm -hmm. And then the homeschool movement took off and really has probably continued to grow ever since. Yeah. And at first it was very much a subculture type thing where a certain kind of Christian was open to home education. Yeah. And it was experimental at best. Yeah. Most of these people themselves who were home educated, almost all of them, were not themselves home educated. They had been educated through the public school system, some of them in private schools. Yeah. A lot of them uh, it had a distaste, a dislike for the public school. Now, my, my your mother and I, mm -hmm. we had no horror story about the public school system. I, I, I can't look back at some experience I had going to an athletic event or 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 any kind of a class or school related thing yeah. where I was somehow badly treated yeah that just didn't happen in mm -hmm. my recollection anyway yeah. I uh, I had it may have never happened in Valley City North Carolina. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it never happened to anybody <laughs> but um, but there were some people who had very bad experiences. We were taught, though, the uh, that evolutionary thinking was probably right. In the Lutheran Church, mm -hmm. we were taught that 
that likely the Bible and evolution, there was really no genuine disagreement. So I, I can't say there was nothing bad about it. Yeah. Yes, we were, we were given the foundations for socialism. We were given the foundations for, for humanistic thinking yeah. and all that. I'm just saying I, was, I, did, I didn't have some horror story. Yeah. Now, I don't lose sleep at night yeah. over some terrible... I don't, I don't have post-traumatic stress disorder because of something that happened to me in the public. I, I have that from other things. <laughs> yeah. So the homeschool movement was definitely a reaction against secular humanism. Uh, definitely it was strongly evangelistic. Back in the days when people were still using the word fundamentalist to describe the evangelical movement in North America, we were fundamentalists of so the old fundamentalist stamp. Yeah. And a lot of Baptists who were using Schofield reference Bibles they, and believed in the old fundamentals were home educating. Yeah. And, and they believed that it was right. And, and I, have, I have no apologies for that. I think it was a very wonderful thing. And actually, all part of a spiritual movement which was sweeping the country. Yeah. If you look at the homeschool movement, really, all those people that were converted as mm -hmm. teenagers at the end of the 1960s and early 70s in what was called the Jesus movement. Yep. Those people joined in with Bible-believing churches, mm -hmm. got married, and started having children. And when those children came of age, they homeschooled them. That's who comprised largely the homeschool movement, is the fruits. These are the children, the second generation from, and look at it time-wise. Right? Yeah. So you got people in their, their later teens or early 20s getting married, and by the time their children are about six years old, yeah. you've got 1985. Yeah. And that's what it, what it was. Yeah. It was all part of that spiritual awakening which had swept the country. Yeah. And it was interesting because the homeschool movement was distrustful of the older generation. My parents didn't homeschool. My grandparents didn't homeschool. Yeah. And they, as a result, were deceived by the secular humanists like John Dewey, who were promoting a kind of materialistic thinking which swept through the country and laid the foundation for the ruinous student revolts of the 1960s. The, the ruinous plunge into immorality mm -hmm. that you see in the whole rock and roll generation. Yeah. So there was a, a real disconnect from the World War II generation and the Korean War generation. Here were these nice upstanding Americans who were very loyally sending all their kids to the public schools, but allowing the public schools to teach evolutionary thinking and secular humanism and so the, those young parents who are now saying, we made a huge mistake. We're, we've, we're losing the whole country because of this. 
And so we need to save our children. We do not want to offer our children on the altars of Molech yeah. to this humanistic God. And they are taking a stand against it. And as a result, there's a real disconnect with that older generation and this new movement. Yeah. yeah. And the new movement really starts up in a way spontaneously, like it's out of nowhere. You've got a lot of these a lot of these kids who are part of the Jesus movement were maybe raised in evangelical churches, maybe Baptist churches and Presbyterian, even Lutheran churches, those kind of churches, yeah. where they were taught orthodox things, but just sim simply didn't understand some basic things about conversion or, or the facts of the Christian life. And then when the Jesus movement comes, they are turned on spiritually yeah getting saved or getting restored to god a lot of kids who are embracing a, an authentic christianity but it's, it's just happening almost out of nowhere it's so it seems yeah and those people tended to have a real disconnect with the previous generations hmm. and and, and you see that, you, you, you can see that, where the kind of songs they want to sing, uh, the way they, they view Bible teaching and so on, it's, it, it's quite obvious. Yeah. There's a real disconnect with yeah. the older generation. Now, there has been, since that time, a kind of return among some people to an older ritualism, like yes. people who want to go back, for instance, to the Eastern Orthodox or Antiochian Orthodox Church where they're fascinated by the liturgical worship and all that. Oh, yeah. But during the Jesus movement, that was not happening. Yeah. That was not going on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was, it was more Steve and Melody Green singing uh, or Keith, uh, Keith uh, Christian ballads. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Keith and Melody Green. What did I say? Steve. Oh, Steve, I meant Just Steve. Steve Green. Hide him in your heart. Yeah, 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 two yeah. different guys. Yeah. The good guys, good brothers. Yeah. But uh, no, two different guys. Sorry. No, that's all right. Well, that's very good. That's interesting. So, cause, yeah. Yeah. Cause I, yeah. We, I remember when we were little homeschoolers living in the inner city. Yeah. And there was this sense of like the local school is going to send men in suits to take you away and force you to. There was a point when the legitimacy of homeschooling was very much in doubt. And so in the 80s, there were these court cases going on and people were being challenged. Do you have a right to have an unapproved school? Do you need to uh, submit yourself to accreditation? And the, the hilarious thing was that it was found out that a lot of people in the public school system were not submitting to any real test. Are these children literate? Yeah. Do they know math? Do they, do they understand basic facts? The three R's, what we call the three R's. So if you're going to graduate somebody from uh, a public school who is functionally illiterate, yep. then, it w then why are you now turning around and wanting to submit a test to homeschoolers saying you must... Uh, you must perform at a certain level of literacy in order to have your homeschooling program accredited. Yeah. And the simple logic of it challenged the state's right yeah. to impose academic standards. And so most, many places, 
I, I'm simplifying here, and, yeah, I, yeah, and I'm sure this is not true everywhere, but in many places, they simply backed off from any involvement at all yeah. in the homeschool movement. Yeah. They, so you could have somebody who would simply say, I'm sorry, I'm not sending my kid. Uh, is he truant? No, he's not truant. He's homeschooled. Yeah. And this is home education. Yeah. That's two different terms, that's, homeschooling and home education. But That's what Michigan got. Yeah. And they, so you can home educate all the way through, and then you find out at the end, you can come up, uh, fabricate your own diploma, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Perhaps you could submit your records to somebody who can give you a authoritative diploma. And kids were from the homeschooling background be admitted into colleges all the time. Yep. And it was not an issue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah did, that's I how did. it worked. Yeah. I remember one friend wanted to go to some college at Columbia College and they were like, we don't, you know, we need transcripts. You need your, transcripts. And he didn't have anything, you know, he's homeschooled. So he had to, I don't know how he got around that. But did he get there? I don't remember. I remember that was a sticking point. Yeah. Interesting. Most universities are admitting homeschooled, home-educated uh, young people. Mm -hmm. It's, it has not been a huge issue. There are some hurdles, but there were initially many court cases. I don't know if there's a lot of court cases going on today, but there is a difference between education and being truant. Yeah. And there are a lot of people who claimed that they were home-educating, but were just truant. They were not doing anything. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, it's, it's not a clear-cut issue. And, and, I, and you'd have to say that the government does have a, an interest in making sure that people do not become truant yeah. and just become a ward of the state. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. true, true. Yeah, but, uh, but for, for the Christian... We're very glad for the freedoms that we enjoy because those freedoms do not exist in a lot of countries. Yeah. There are many, many countries where home education is illegal. And, and we have those freedoms here. So yep. thank the Lord. Yeah, there was a family, I want to say in Germany, who was like getting the kids taken away and they wanted to flee to England or something like that. And I remember that. Yeah. yeah. No, nobody stepped in. I forgot what the, what the situation was, but... I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So right. that is... Uh, That's just a little rabbit trail on homeschooling. I don't no, it's all right. The, the basic issue of home education is who owns the children. Yeah. Are children owned by the state or... No, this is another thing. Are they owned by the parent? The Christian, the informed Christian says no... Children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. So the Christian thinking, rightly, is that the children belong to God, but God has entrusted the education of the children to the parents. Mm -hmm. So that does not mean that the parents cannot delegate to others, but who is ultimately before God going to be held accountable for the education. So if I say, I want uh, a tutor to come into my home, yeah. I'm taking responsibility for the education, but I'm delegating the job of getting it done to somebody else. So it doesn't mean that you can't use a school or a publisher or an individual to teach your kids, but you are saying, 
My children don't belong to the government. They don't even belong to the parents. They belong to God. Hmm. But God has delegated that responsibility to the parents initially, not to the government. Yeah. And, and so that's really the Christian thinking of homeschooling hmm. or home education. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I know that, yeah, the test, well, someone, a while, that was always the, the accusation or maybe the suspicion is that your kids won't be culturally aware. They won't be cultured, well cultured. That goes back to Raymond and Dorothy Moore's books where they say this whole issue about socialization is a boogeyman. Yeah, yeah, that's the word, socialization, that's what I was looking for. I was homeschooled, so I don't, I'm not. Are you socially challenged, son? Probably. Probably. It's probably because I'm Norwegian or not. That's, no. yeah, it's more likely owing to the influence of the Norwegian. But thankfully, your mother's Irish. Yep. And they, they know how to get along spared. in the world. Yeah. Yeah, but that was, that was a concern. And then I was talking with some saints, uh, well, a person who homeschooled their kids. And, and they're, the reason, I kind of asked the why. why. Why do you? And they're like, we, for socialization. Why do you public school? No, why do you homeschool your child? Oh. I want my, my child to be adequately socialized. I want them to know how to talk to people who are older than them. Oh, and, right. And because that's a big deal. You'll, see, you'll get a homeschooler kid in a room and he'll, in, in many cases, go talk to an adult rather than... He knows how to relate to somebody outside his age group. Yeah. And if you go through a typical public school setting, you are part of a group of... 30 other people mm -hmm. in your same age group for 12 years yeah. or 13 years and and you're utterly locked in yeah. and you don't know how to act inside a, a group which is a little different from you. Yeah. In the old days of the country school, mm -hmm. you'd have kids school, you'd have uh, 12 kids who'd be at a country school and they'd be relating to much older and younger children all at the same time. Yeah. It was not that dynamic. Yeah. But in the typical public school, you become socialized, mm -hmm. locked in with culturally your own age group, and you don't know how to relate to anyone outside of it. Yeah. And even one grade away is like, oh, <gasps> Exactly. You're very yeah. aware of it. Yeah. And that was Raymond and one of Raymond and Dorothy Moore's big points, and it won the day with James Dobson. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that was just a... I, I, I never hear anyone talking about Raymond and Dorothy Moore anymore, but they, that was a, just a little thing that happened at the inception of the homeschool movement. People were casting about wondering, what are we going to do? Mm -hmm. We've got this public school system, which is, has a monopoly on our children, and we don't like it. Yeah. We don't trust these people. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is very disconcerting because I, I mean, I... Not that I went to school with a bunch of, you know, reprobates, but the kids I went to school with are now the teachers and even some becoming, you know, administrators yeah. of public Weird. school. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it just, yeah. Yeah, it's surprising. Isn't yeah. It? We send our kids to the classical academy. Several, many of the classes have uh, multiple ages, like an mm -hmm. art or... Um, reading and just certain well not reading what do you call it literature literature um and so i do in some ways i feel like oh i've abdicated my you know but 
you can be as involved as, in it as you want to be. And so that's... Both you and Andrea mm-hmm. were homeschooled. No, she went to a Christian school and a public school. Oh, she did? Never was homeschooled. Never was? No, I know she's such a nice person. You think she was, but she was... because <laughs> she had good parents. <laughs> well, I, I get, need to get better acquainted with my daughter. Than I know, shame. Yeah, no, so she was not. It, it's very difficult. This is another thing, is the inner city... I went to Forest Hills Northern for high school. I was homeschooled up till high school. My yeah. Sophomore year, I went to a public school. Forest Hills Northern, which was one of the best in the state, really good school. Um, that district was one of the best. I don't know what it is now, but at the time, it was really good. There were teachers, people who lived in that district who sent their kids to school, and then some teachers taught at at. at in Forest Hills and also taught in inner city schools yeah. or vice versa. And so basically you have similar talent in either district. Yeah. And some, and the inner city schools are bad and yeah, poor outcomes. But one of the connections drawn was that the quality of uh, outcome the, was not necessarily dependent on the curriculum or the teacher. It was dependent on the parents' involvement and expectations oh, set for uh, the kid. That has to be true. Yeah. It has to be true. Yeah. So that's that's our conviction. And so, but folks stress about it. Oh, I'm not do. I'm not giving them enough, you know, information. And I'm like, just be in their life, and that kid's going to turn out better yeah. than anybody else. Anybody else, you know, then then well, that'd be above average. You know, that's got to be true. Yeah. And, and when you look at the Bible, well, who educated Isaac? Well, Abraham did. Yeah. Uh, was Abraham highly involved in the education of his own son? And so, uh, in in Scripture, you'll see strong family units. Mm-hmm. These families are not perfect. They've got a lot of problems, many of them. But you had a dad and a mom, quite often, who were uh, devoted to God and seeking the Lord and trying to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. So let it be. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut it down. Um, we we did not discuss what we set out to discuss. So I'll shut this down and we'll change gears. We'll here. just title it differently, man. Yeah, I will. That's no problem. Thank you. Yep.